Pirates versus Tyrants. This is the Tom Wren Show, where we practice piracy on the enemies of freedom and liberty. Show today, folks. I am excited to talk to you. So I've been working quite diligently for quite some time on research related to vaccinology and how they're doing this, right? So what's a lawyer doing that for? And how are you qualified to do it? Well, um, clearly I'm not qualified for anything. Ask the mainstream press. So I don't know, you know, in terms of qualifications, I guess you can, you can decide whether I know what I'm talking about or not later. But I will provide citations for my work. And as an attorney, what we do have to do is we have to learn these things and communicate them in a way that's understandable. So attorneys do have to be pretty versatile in their ability to read and understand things, whether it's their field or not. And in terms of the law, this is a critical topic. Okay, so when we're talking about the vaccines and we're talking about what's occurring, you have to understand that they're now pushing this into other venues, right? Nobody wants to die from mRNA vaccines anymore. So, you know, they're having a hard time getting people to take them. So they're trying to push us. And this is what the food bill was about. When I talked about the you know informed consent in food, we know that they're trying to push vaccines and vaccine technology and food. I've got all sorts of research on it. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. But it's not just food. It's all over the place. And uh, one of the interesting things occurring right now is we see this malaria outbreak. Well, did you know Bill Gates was working on malaria mosquitoes? Mosquitoes that were supposed to spread malaria vaccines. And the way that they work very generally is these mosquitoes were going to inject you. When they bite you, they inject you with a little bit of uh, something, something. And supposedly they have a, a gene that was edited in them by Bill Gates and his his, fund, his crew that uh, would help to prevent the spread of malaria. Except for, well, if it doesn't work, it may actually spread, spread malaria. At least that's the theory. And uh, now we're seeing some malaria out there. Well, all of this stuff is important because you got to understand, regardless of whether Bill Gates could stop malaria with mosquito bites or not, how are you going to get informed consent if you put that in a mosquito? And how are you going to get informed consent uh, if you put any other GMO stuff in a bug or in something else that's just out there in the environment? But they don't care because Bill Gates doesn't care because you're a useless eater to Bill Gates or the World Economic Forum or any of these other monsters. And so let's talk about what's happening. And by the way, Gates is funding the research. I'm not suggesting he himself is putting mosquitoes out there that are biting people. Uh, I, he's funded a lot of research on mosquitoes and mosquito vaccines and things like that, and malaria in general. So right here, I am looking at an article from September 21st, 2022 headline, and this is NPR, NPR folks. So this is not a right wing conspiracy theorist site. This is uh, NPR, which is one of the most left-leaning crews on the planet. Headline, a box of 200 mosquitoes did the vaccinating in this malaria trial. That's not a joke. No, it is certainly not a joke, folks. It is not even sort of a joke. This article talks and is based on a scientific study. That scientific study was published in Science Translational Medicine and titled, A Genetically Engineered Plasmodium Fel." Bacipirum uh, parasite vaccine provides protection from controlled human malaria infection. 
Okay. What does that mean in English? Well, basically, what happened is uh, Gates here uh, did some work, had some people, well, funded some people doing some work at the University of Washington Seattle physician scientist uh, explained, uh, we use the mosquitoes like they're 1,000 small flying syringes. So they did some work. They edited these mosquitoes' genes. They modified their genetics. Uh, quote from the story, the insects deliver live malaria-causing plasmodium parasites that have been genetically modified to not get people sick. Now, you're assuming the genetic modification works. They're delivering malaria to create a vaccination system, right? They're delivering it. But don't worry, the malaria they're delivering can't make you sick. Although, uh, I believe they've got some genetically modified mosquitoes that they've released down in Florida. We'd have to ask Governor DeSantis about this. But I believe they've released them. I know they're working on it in Hawaii. And uh, now we have malaria. I don't know. Uh, but, and by the way, I can't prove that anything released in the wild has this. But it sure is interesting that this is all happening at the same time, isn't it, folks? What we do know for sure is, quote, the insects deliver malaria-causing plasmodium parasites that have been genetically modified not to get people sick. The body still makes antibodies against the weakened parasite, so it's prepared to fight the real thing. It's a vaccine, folks. Mosquito bites you, gives you a vaccine. Now, uh, why did they do this? Well, uh, they went this route, quote, because it is costly and time-consuming to develop a formulation of a parasite that can be delivered with a needle. The parasites mature inside mosquitoes, so at this proof-of-concept stage, as early-stage trials are called, it makes sense to use them for delivery, right? Well, of course it does. Of course it does. So uh, the mosquitoes are delivering a, uh, a vaccine. Now, I don't know. Maybe NPR lied, and maybe this study... Uh, published in the Science Translation Medicine Journal wide. I mean, they certainly told me as a conspiracy theory when I uh, theorist when I talked about uh, vaccination and food. So, where else are they doing this? You know, what about this food thing? Could they do that? No, they could never do that, right? Except for well, they can. You got to understand. I'm going to get into some sciencey stuff here, folks, which obviously I am completely unqualified to talk about. But you can. You can read the articles yourself. I'm pretty sure I can read, uh, I, whether I'm a scientist or not. I do. I did learn how to read in law school. And uh, one of the things that I can read about is uh, this article in Nature. And uh, the article is titled, uh, Drug Delivery Systems for RNA Therapeutics. Okay, so this is, I want you to understand something. This article is a very, it's a very scientific article. And it's not something that uh, you're going to read and just see, hey, we're using food for vaccines. What you will see, though, is on this article a heading called Synthetic Vehicles for RNA Delivery. Now, bear with me, folks. Bear with me. RNA, you know these vaccines, the mRNA vaccine? So that's, that's 
we call that a genetic payload, folks. They, they put that RNA stuff in you, and it, it does something. It acts as a gene, right? And we don't need to get into all the details. We want to keep this uh, simple enough that even, even a leftist can understand it. Like that, folks? God, I just get in so much trouble. All right. So uh, within the heading, Synthetic Vehicles for RNA Delivery, we see lipids and lipid-based nanoparticles, which you heard, uh, you know, the LPNs uh, or LNPs, the lipid nanoparticles that are used for the, the COVID vaccines. And then you also see, if you scroll down a bit, uh, some other types of things, right? So we have polymers and polymer-based nanoparticles. Why does this matter? What's, 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 what's that even mean, right? Um, and if you look elsewhere, and I've got other articles that talk about this, uh, you see all sorts of other delivery systems. This is a very important thing. The reason it's important is because whenever we talk about this mRNA and you know getting put in animals or put in this or put in that, they say, well, it could never survive digestion. It wouldn't do any good. It won't do anything. It doesn't mean it. Well, that would be true if they were just sticking mRNA, messenger RNA, into a animal. That's not what they're doing. You have to understand that these delivery systems, these polymer, these lipid-based uh, delivery systems are designed and structured, and they also use envelope viral particles and other such things. These are all specifically created and structured to ensure that these, uh, these uh, RNA payloads can get into the system where they want, want them, right? They use this intentionally, folks, and they're designed to strengthen the delivery system. The delivery system is core to anything vaccine. Messenger RNA inherently is a weak particle that breaks down easily, right? So what that means in plain English is the mRNA that they want to get in you, it just falls apart. It, it's junky, right? It, it works well if it gets there, but it's kind of weak and fragile and will break down in your body. The delivery system is kind of like, uh, you know, if, you, if you're shipping, here's how you think of this, folks. So I've got a box to ship a glass vase in, right? And I want to ship it in UPS. Well, that glass face is fragile and get broke if I just send it in UPS. But if I put a bunch of that uh, fluff around it, you know, whether it's newspapers, whether it's this, whether it's that, those are the delivery systems, right? So when we look at this, what you've got to understand is they're, they're putting it different things around that vase. The vase is the RNA and uh, payload, and the delivery system is, you know, that white styrofoam popcorn or newspaper or whatever they're putting around it to keep it safe when you're shipping it via UPS, okay, to so ship it through your body. So understand that they're, they're doing this, and they're doing this so that they can make it more stable. So they are designing this specifically to get around these obstacles. To suggest that they can't do it is absurd, as demonstrated by this article in News Medical Life Sciences, headline, Researchers Aim to Develop Edible Plant-Based mRNA Vaccines. Uh, reading from the article, the future of vaccines may look more like eating a salad than getting a shot in the arm. UC Riverside scientists are studying whether they can turn edible plants like lettuce into mRNA vaccine factories. Messenger RNA or mRNA technology used in the COVID-19 vaccine works by teaching our cells 
Well, <laughs> it doesn't work, but in theory. Uh, but they say one of the challenges with this is that it's stability, stability of these cells. Well, the new project is, is let's put it into plants that, can, quote, which can be eaten. Which can be eaten. I thought that's impossible, folks. And they say this could overcome this challenge with the ability to be stored at room temperature, if you could eat it, right? And uh, there's a 500000 grant from National Science Foundation. And uh, they want to show that, quote, DNA containing mRNA vaccines can be successfully delivered into part of the plant cells where it will replicate, demonstrating the plants can produce enough mRNA to rival a traditional shot, finally determining the right dosage. So hopefully the DNA doesn't get through, because if the DNA does, it can reverse transcribe into your body, and it's a permanent genetic alteration, by the way, folks. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, they say, quote, ideally a single plant would produce enough mRNA to vaccinate a single person. Uh, according to an associate professor at UCR's Department of Botany and Plant Sciences. Uh, the key, the, this is really, really, really clear, folks, right? These guys uh, say, quote, our idea is to repurpose naturally occurring nanoparticles, namely plant viruses, for gene delivery uh, to the plants. Some engineering goes into this to make the nanoparticles go into the chloroplast and to render them non-infectious towards the plants. So they want to put this in there, and then they want to create it in a way where you can eat it and you're vaccinated. So the idea that this doesn't exist or isn't happening or couldn't happen is absurd, Okay. Uh, we have more, and by the way, one final nail in the coffin. So we're talking about delivery systems for these vaccines. They're working on being able to get you vaccinated without your knowledge or consent. Bugs, foods, other such things. Now, in this article, and one last article we're going to talk about, another science one, uh, development of delivery systems of mRNA vaccines. And this was uh, originally published in 2021. And uh, it's in NIH, a national, uh, Fauci's crew, NIH, so we can't lie, follow the science, right? We got to follow the science, folks. Uh, and this is a very scientific article with a lot of different things uh, that they, they go into. And uh, I'm, I'm going to skip a lot of it, but I want to read you this. Okay, this is a very important full quote. Various roots, including tracheal inhalation, intravenous, intraperitoneal, and intramuscular injections, can mediate systemic mRNA transport and expression. That is really, really important because do you know what they mentioned there that you haven't heard? Tracheal inhalation. Yes, that's right, folks. They are working on aerosolizing the vaccines so that if you breathe them, you can be vaccinated. The vaccines are being uh, developed in ways where they can give them to you however they want. Now, the question is, do you trust your government who lied to you about COVID, who lied to you about the dangers of COVID, who lied to you about masks, 
who lied to you about PCR tests, who lied to you about social distancing and lockdowns, who lied to you about the safety of the vaccines, who lied to you about the effectiveness of the vaccines, who lied to you about the transmissibility of the vaccines and the side effects and everything else. Do you trust them not to allow this to be put into food, into the air, or into anything else? Do we trust the people who have not stopped lying to us for three years about everything there is related to our health and COVID? Do we trust these people to develop this technology and not to distribute it, not to use it for nefarious purposes? If you do, I have a bridge to sell you because you're probably an idiot. All right, folks, I need your support at TomRens.com. Join us. Join us. Support us on, on our Rumble channel. Support us on our Locals community. Support us on Substack. Support us on social media. We're going to put this stuff. We got a viral tweet right now, thanks to Vigilant Fox. He's got my testimony posted uh, on Twitter that I did before the Pennsylvania Senate. We need your support. We need your donations. We need your funding. Uh That's how we do it. That's how I keep fighting. Please support us. We'll be right back. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, povidone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code out loud and get 20% off. The pandemic may be over for some but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
Welcome back, everybody. So, along with the vaccines, we do have some other really interesting things. And uh, probably one of the most interesting thing occur things occurring right now is the SCOTUS. SCOTUS is really interesting right now. SCOTUS, by the way, for those of you that don't know, SCOTUS is Supreme Court of the United States. Right? Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme Court, a couple of really interesting rulings. And... Uh, but they've just been all over the place, right? So we've got the affirmative action ruling. We've got the uh, wedding website ruling. And we've got the uh, uh, student loan ruling all right now. And they're all very, very different. And by the way, there is an immense amount to talk about, especially the affirmative action ruling. The affirmative action ruling was huge and only makes sense. I mean, you know, realistically, affirmative action is racism. I mean, the 14th Amendment is quite clear. You can't, you can't do that. I mean, I agree with the ruling entirely. Um, but, yeah, when we look at what's going on, I think it's really interesting because this court has been very, very willing to defer to government and to administrative state in many things, but they've been very strong on other things, right? Uh, one thing that they've been extremely strong on is religious freedom. They have been very much uh, in the right on religious freedom on this, right? So the wedding, the wedding cake, and the wedding uh, website. I'm sorry, the wedding website case. So you had this uh, this wedding design web designer. Uh, he he created a Christian design web designer who didn't want to create. LGBTQ wedding sites, right? So this guy is a Christian, creates websites. A lot of times people come to him, they want a website created for their wedding. This guy, that's fine. He says, but I'm not doing it for LGBTQ because I don't believe they can be married. I don't believe in it. And so they sue him because that's what the LGBTQ crew does is they sue to try and push people into accepting their bull crap. And uh, which, by the way, is why we have so much fight back, right? Um, I don't care if anybody's gay. I don't care what you do in your bedroom. But don't tell me what I have to believe in or support. And no, I'm not going to create a website that's supporting you unless I want to, right? And that's what this guy said. He said, I'm not doing this, right? So uh, this ends up at the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says, no, First Amendment trumps uh, you know, the, the whole protected class thing in this, right? Now, LGBTQ has been called a protected class. And what that means is that uh, you're, you're not supposed to discriminate on the basis of LGBTQ. The problem here is, uh, first of all, are they really a protected class? And second of all, what happens when the First Amendment and LGBTQ collide. And what the court basically said is First Amendment trumps, right? You aren't going to take, make someone give up their religious freedom, their right to believe or not believe as they choose, uh, to allow people to do that. Listen, there's other web wedding designers. You can go somewhere else, right? You can go to web designers all over the place, or wedding sites, whatever it is that these guys need. Um, so go somewhere else. Why you got? We're going to force this guy to to put something out he doesn't believe in, and you can't, right? How does that work? That's like me going to uh, <laughs> me going to a Catholic priest and asking them not to promote a 
a child dating website. No, I'm oh my god, I'm Catholic, folks. So I should. That's horrible of me. I should be really, really ashamed of myself on that. Um, but I couldn't resist. Anyways, no, you know, you can't ask people to promote or to do something that they just have a moral uh, difference with. It doesn't work. You can't do that. I mean, it's just, if there's anything that is foundational to freedom, it's the freedom to think, speak, and believe as you choose, right? And the Supreme Court recognized that. Uh, they said in the, the ruling, quote, the First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. That's true. I mean, that's as simple as can be. Uh, yeah, now you got Sotomayor over there who uh, says that uh, today the court for the first time in history grants a business open to the public a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class. Well, I'm sorry, but there is a world of difference between a behavior and uh, something you can't control, right? So for me to say that I'm going to discriminate against you because you're black. Well, the color of your skin is not something you have control over, right? So so when we say that you can't discriminate, plus we have the 14th Amendment, which says you can't discriminate on that basis, uh, and all sorts of other laws, right? And what they're trying to do is they try and uh, equivocate the color of skin with the same sort of protections that, that they're trying to argue should belong with people who are choosing a behavior. Now, I don't believe that that being gay is a choice always, right? There are people, it could be a choice. There are people who make the decision to act in a homosexual manner. But, I, you know, I know plenty of gay people that are, there's no doubt they were born the way that they are, right? For whatever reason, I got a buddy, he's gay as can be, right? And he, uh, there's no question, this guy was born that way. There's something, there's some wires in there that are that made him that way. His wiring is just that way, right? There is no behavioral therapy that's going to fix that. Um, now, as a Christian, do I believe the behavior is okay? Well, you know, Christianity is what it is. And I didn't write the rules for Christianity. So I can't change them and I can't argue with them and I can't debate them. So those rules are what they are. But in terms of whether or not he's got something, you know, so he or she, you know, whoever the person is, you know, can be that way. Well, they, they are. But you, whether you choose to act on it's another thing. And whether I have to recognize a religious institution like marriage as being valid as it applies to you is certainly something uh, that is vastly different than saying, well, I'm not going to serve this guy because of the color of his skin. I mean, it's just not even close to the same thing. So, yeah, this, from a legal analysis, this is a completely different animal. And, uh, you know, it's it just is what it is. And, and I, I disagree with Justice Sotomayor. And I'm not speaking, when I say this, I want you to understand something. You know, I'm, when I talk about the justices, um, Sotomayor was making an argument based on the law that she believed to be correct and accurate. I disagree with her as a lawyer. I think her analysis is, is wrong. Uh, the majority of the Supreme Court agreed with me. So, you know, that's, that is what it is. Uh, the law is what it is. 
And uh, I agree with Gorsuch's analysis much more than I agree with Sotomayor's, and it's just that simple. And luckily, uh, the right side of this won out because that is the correct interpretation of law, in my opinion. Um, so that's that, and that's a good thing. And uh, it ties in with the affirmative action ruling, right? So th this, in this instance, you see the court saying that uh, your they want us they want us to discriminate against someone's religious beliefs by forcing them to accept someone's sexual preferences, right? To force them to accept, uh, you know, a, a different religion, essentially, right? So, I mean, if my religious beliefs don't comport with gay marriage, now, there may be a legal recognition. We can do that. But you can't ask me to change my religious beliefs uh, in favor of another religious belief. Because when we talk about marriage, it's, it's a religious belief, right? We, the civil aspects of marriage are legal. But in terms of the faith aspects, those are religious beliefs. And for you to tell me that uh, I have to support gay marriage as a business is the equivalent to telling me that I have to support or I have to believe morally in gay marriage. And you know, that's just not, not, not acceptable. Now on affirmative action, uh, we've, we've used common sense again, right? Affirmative action says you can't discriminate based on the color of skin. Uh, the, the, the 14th amendment says that, but affirmative action actually demands we discriminate based on the color of skin, right? So the affirmative action case, uh, in one case, we have Justice Sotomayor arguing uh, that it's they don't want discrimination. We shouldn't be able to discriminate between a uh, whether we want to serve someone uh, who's gay or not in terms of uh, you know supporting their their marriage, their religious, their manifestation. Uh, in religious terms, so they 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 don't want discrimination there, but then they want discrimination when it comes to the color of your skin, right? And I hope you're following me with this because affirmative action means we discriminate. We look at the color of your skin, and we make a decision about you based in part on the color of your skin, right? Uh, this is a shocking thing. So it's not consistent, and it doesn't make sense. Because with the gay marriage ruling, they want to say we can't discriminate. But with affirmative action, they want to say we have to discriminate. Well, you can discriminate in terms of whether or not you choose to, to speak or think or act in a way that disagrees or, uh, with, with your values, right? So I can, if, if working with you, if helping you, if doing whatever it is I do for you, uh, doesn't comport with my faith, well, then I have the right to discriminate, right? Uh, because otherwise you're, you're, you're essentially asking me to give up my faith, and that, that runs counter to the First Amendment. But when it comes to looking at a human being's skin color, Justice Sotomayor wants us to discriminate. This doesn't make sense, does it, folks? seems very inconsistent, but I think the conservative majority got it right. I say conservative majority very loosely. 
how about the court majority? Because I don't know if they qualify as conservative. They just kind of qualify as judges. But the court's majority opinion got it right in both cases here, right? And they were consistent. They said, listen, you can't discriminate on the color of skin, but you also can't force someone to act against their own religious beliefs. Uh, now, mind you that this person, this, this gay couple asking for the wedding site, they didn't ask, um, they didn't go into a McDonald's and ask to be served coffee. Right. There, this, this decision doesn't allow that. Right. You, you can't discriminate on some of that. But this is about faith. Right. Marriage is a manifestation of faith. Right. It's a, it's a faith thing. It's a religious thing. Right. We have a legal mechanism that deals with marriage, but you can go to a civil servant and get legally married. You can go wherever you want and get legally married. You can't go to a priest that doesn't want to marry you and get married, and you can't go to a Christian guy uh, who doesn't want to create a website for your marriage and say, you have to support my marriage uh, because I'm getting married and I'm gay and you don't like it. That's too bad. It, it just doesn't work, right? So we have a very good couple rulings here. Uh, then we also have one other ruling that I think is particularly uh, interesting, and that is Biden student loan thing. Now, this court has been, in my opinion, absolutely terrible in terms of giving deference to the federal government and to government agencies and to administrative state and to uh, all these other things. I think they've gone far, far, far off on this. But I also think that there's hope. I think that the question's being asked wrong. I've been analyzing this quite a bit. I think there's a way to ask this court to look at this that might be useful. And I got some of that that I'm working on, right? But, uh, with this, ca this case, the student loan forgiveness, this is very, very, very clear. And even a deferential court, they, you know, they just couldn't get there, right? So in this case, you've got Biden saying he's just going to forgive all the student loan debt. Well, that's a huge, huge, huge expenditure for our federal government, right? There's a massive amount of money that he's, he's just saying we're going to spend. All, all spending decisions have to start in the House. He can't do that. This is not an executive decision, right? Um, he's been violating all sorts of laws every time he keeps finding new money to send to Ukraine that's not appropriated. He can't do that either, but, you know, nobody's suing him over that. The student loan thing, you know, we said this, uh, there was a lawsuit and uh, they said, you know, hey, yeah, the president can't do this. Well, the SCOTUS was was very wise on this. Uh, yeah, the president can't do this. This is not presidential power. They don't get to decide what they're going to spend money on. And so they, they did that. One of the things, though, that I really like about this is that uh, the SCOTUS actually quoted Nancy Pelosi in their decision. Pelosi had said, quote, people think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That has to be an act of Congress. Uh, and that's absolutely correct. It's one of the few times I can ever think of uh, that I've agreed with Nancy Pelosi on anything. Uh, spending power starts with Congress and uh, specifically with the House. Uh, it just... It just does. I mean, this is very clear in the Constitution. But yeah, Biden, but Biden, 
Biden, you got to understand, does not care one bit about the law or the Constitution. So there's that. But uh, this, I think this whole thing is really interesting. And I think the thing most interesting about it is watching. I mean, we've had a lot of really bad rulings in the COVID universe. Had some really good rulings, too. Um, A lot of rulings that have been way, way too deferential in the administrative state. But then we've also seen a pruning back with the major questions doctrine, right? We've seen that kind of coming back into play. Uh, The thing that I think is most uh, most important for us to deal with as lawyers, and one of the things that I have been working on in my head, is the SCOTUS is... uh, they've really doubled down and expanded the doctrine of standing uh, and using standing as a mechanism to dodge uh, tough cases. Okay. So anything election, anything with, uh, you know, some of these real difficult cases, they're, they're dodging that saying, Oh, you don't have standing. You don't have this, don't have that. And uh, they, they, the concept of standing, I think has been expanded too far. So I'm hoping that we see some, some gains in terms of reining that in, but really interesting stuff, folks, really interesting stuff. And uh, also interesting is what we're doing here on the America Out Loud channel. Lots of good sponsors, lots of good people, lots of good shows. You got to share this show. You got to get it out there. Share the Tom Wren show, share the America Out Loud network and support our sponsors. Lots of great sponsors, Cofix, Genesis, HOCL. We have lots of good sponsors here. You got to go and click on the, you can click on any of the banner ads, go to our sponsors and use the out loud code at checkout. You get a big discount with pretty much all of them. Great sponsors, great products, and they're supporting freedom. They're supporting the out loud network. If you need this stuff, you need this stuff, a lot of it anyways. Cofix, Genesis, HOCL, you should have on hand. But you need this stuff anyways. Use that loud code, get a discount, and support our network with it and share the show. We'll be right back. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity, unlike other supplements that don't work. Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud.
Okay, everybody, welcome back and welcome to the Stack O Stuff. Very excited about our Stack of Stuff segment today. Okay, where to start? We're going to start by continuing a little bit more with the Supreme Court, right? Headline, Red State. Read, Clarence Thomas's straight fire response to Katanji Brown-Jackson in affirmative action case concurrence. Okay, so... Justice Thomas is actually probably, uh, I mean, he's one of my favorite justices. I just really like his approach. The guy's very, very, very smart. He's rock solid. And he's been through hell. I mean, Justice Thomas has been attacked more than any other justice uh, because he's had the audacity to be both black and conservative. And his rulings are, they comport with the law. Okay, so... One thing I will tell you is, as I've read Justice Thomas over the years, Justice Thomas is very much a a great legal mind. I mean, his mind is spectacular. His approach is accurate. He doesn't get into race baiting or discrimination. He stays focused on the core points and remembers that he's actually there not to uh, create law, but to interpret the application of the law to a given set of facts in a given situation. And he does a spectacular job of this, right? So I get, I just think it's an amazing thing. Uh, and he, this article really kind of breaks down some of his stuff that was uh, uh, really a response to, uh, to Justice Katenji Brown Jackson. And he did a quite a, an amazing thing. So uh, Justice Jackson says, uh, quote, with with let them eat cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. Well, isn't that what just what Martin Luther King asked for? Content of character over color of skin? I thought that's what we wanted was to end racism, right? She goes on, says, but deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured into interfering with the crucial work that UNC and other institutions of higher learning are doing to resolve America's real-world problems. Well, wait a second. If they're engaging in racism, which is what they're doing when you you know preference someone based on the color of their skin, that's racism, right? I don't care what race it is. Racism's wrong as Martin Luther King taught us. So how are they solving real-world problems by being racist? I don't know that. I don't, I'm not understanding how that works. She says, no one benefits from ignorance. Although formal race-linked legal barriers are gone, so we've removed legal barriers, right? So there's no legal racism allowed. She acknowledges this. I think that's a good thing. She says, despite that, uh, quote, race still matters to the lived experience of all Americans in innumerable ways, and today's ruling makes things worse, not better. The best that can be said of the majority's perspective is that it proceeds ostrich-like from the hope that preventing consideration of race will end racism. Well, listen, we cannot legislate morality. We can't. But that's what she seems to think we can do here. Justice Jackson, with due respect to her, is dead wrong on this. You can't legislate morality. We can't change the daily experience by having more racism, right? So now we're going to be more racist to try and fix past racism. Now, I recognize that racism has existed for time immemorial, 
and I recognize that it still does exist, although I don't see it in the legal community. I will say that I really cannot say that I see racism in the legal community, thankfully. Um, but how is it that implementing racism as a matter of law is going to fix racism? This is, sounds like a, well, me too, me too, me too. You did it to me, I'm going to get you, right? That's what this is. That's what affirmative action is, right? It's, it's uh, using racism to fix racism. How does that work? Doesn't that just sow more racism? The only way to actually eliminate racism is to quit considering race, right? Uh, over time, that'll work. But if you try and tell someone we're going to discriminate against you because your great-great-grandfather was a racist... Well, they're going to say, go to hell, and you're going to create more racism. So this is just common sense. Well, Justice Jackson did a great job of talking about this. Uh, he said, uh, there's a couple of poll quotes here in this article that I really like. Uh, here's one. Uh, and this is Justice Thomas responding directly to Justice Jackson in his, his concurrence. Accordingly, Justice Jackson's race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything good or bad that happens in their lives. A contrary, myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of racial determinism. That is one of the most profound statements I've seen in recent history. God bless Justice Thomas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be a fanboy. I'm not joking. That is brilliant it's, and accurate. Listen, you are not going to be anything if you determine if you are totally uh boxing yourself off and viewing yourself as a black man a white man a this a that uh we've got to get past that you're just a person and you're going to be determined uh your success or failure is going to be determined by the content of your character if you allow your success or failure to be determined by the color of your skin you're an idiot there's no legal barrier. Yes, you may run into a bigot somewhere. You may run into a problem somewhere. But the idea that we can racist ourselves out of racism is absurd. Uh, Justice Jackson goes on, and uh, I really, really like this one as well. Um, quote, uh, quote from Justice Thomas, Worse, the classifications that Justice Jackson draws are themselves race-based stereotypes. She focuses on two hypothetical applicants, John and James, competing for admission to UNC. John is white, seventh-generation legacy at the school, and James is black and would be the first in his family to attend UNC. Uh, I'm sorry? Uh, this is, he then goes on to say, Justice Jackson argues that race-conscious admission programs are necessary to adequately compare the two applicants. As an initial matter, it is not clear why James' race is the only factor that could encourage UNC to admit him. His status as first-generation college applicant seems to contextualize his application. But setting that aside, why is it that John should be judged based on the actions of his great-great-great-grandparents? And what would Justice Jackson say to John when deeming him not worthy of admission? 
Some statistically significant number of white people had advantages in college admissions seven generations ago, and you've inherited their incurable sin? Question mark. That is brilliant, right? So Justice Thomas say, well, wait a second. Now you're going to discriminate against John because of something that happened seven generations ago? What do you think that's going to do? If anything's going to foster racism, it's that. Racism begins begets racism. Sin begets sin. Wrong begets wrong. A good fruit doesn't bear or a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. So you've got to understand this. The argument that we need to have racism to fix racism just creates systemic racism. And that's what Justice Thomas is saying. It is brilliant, brilliant concurrence. I love it. Moving on. Headline Natural News. After less than three decades of diversity, equity, and inclusion, Africa's richest city has turned into a crumbling hellscape. Uh, this is an interesting article to me. And uh, it's talking about Johannesburg in South Africa, right? So this was uh, a wealthy, beautiful, and vibrant place, according to the article. A uh, very beautiful place. And, uh, qu quote, today, however, the city has descended into a crumbling hellscape due to the imposition of DEI politics. Now, uh, DEI, by the way, is code for anti-white racism. Well, so here's the thing. So Johannesburg's an interesting thing. And this article's talking about uh, and it's got pictures, it's got all sorts of things, and it shows, and it looks like Johannesburg was good and kind of went to crap uh, based on what I'm seeing here. Now, here's the problem. Johannesburg, I think, is a unique situation. So you get Johannesburg, you've got a country that was steeped in, in true racism, right? You had apartheid down there, you had all sorts of things going on. The problem is, is when apartheid ended, Instead of doing what Justice Thomas prescribed and, and becoming a truly colorblind society, they started doing what Justice Jackson prescribed and uh, implementing race-based policies to try and cure the sins of the past. And you can't cure a sin with a sin. Racism is evil, but you can't fix it with more racism. Uh, I'm going to get you back doesn't fix anything. It just perpetuates the fight. And so rather than having a pendulum of racism with one group winning and then the other, maybe we need to all come together and end racism. I don't know. Call me silly. But that's, uh, that's the, why I bring up this article. So now I want to move this into article number three. Headline Liberty Daily, J.D. Rucker. Uh, this is the Democrat Party and one ultra-racist tweet from a former Biden campaign staffer. I have no idea who this Erica Marsh is, and the article states that they don't know either. Uh, but the Twitter account claims to be a, quote, proud Democrat former field organizer to elect President Biden, volunteer for the Obama Foundation. I don't know who she is, right? So, and the article says they don't know who she is. But her tweet, she says, today's Supreme Court, uh, regarding Justice Thomas and the majority's decision on affirmative action, she says, quote, today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. 
And then she apparently tried to walk this back later. That's sick. That's sick. How racist is that? But that's that's what affirmative action is. Affirmative action is a bunch of bigots who think that because of the color of you skin, your skin, you not you can't succeed. Saying that somehow uh, you know a black person or a brown person is somehow less than a white person. There is nothing that you can do more racist than that. That's absolutely appalling to me. So, but this is the Democrat Party. This is what Justice Jackson was saying that we need. I, I mean, I just don't get it. I do not understand this. You know, I I recognize I'm a white man. Um, I don't identify as a black man. I don't identify as a woman. So I'm just a white guy, right? So when I say this, I say this as a white guy. If you told me I can't succeed because of the color of my skin, I'd find that to be a real insult. And given the pride that I would think you know, when I look at, at the black community, I see heroes. I see people who overcame segregation, who overcame slavery, overcame all these things. I can't imagine the son of a, of a segregated person thinking, well, I need someone to give me a legal leg up or I can't do it. Why? I mean, to me, that's an insult. That's saying that you're somehow lesser. That's garbage. I don't like racism, folks. I just don't like it. So anyways, that's that. Um, moving on from, from our racist left. Uh, headline, Slay News, quote, Bill Gates' private office asked women sexually explicit questions during job interviews. So this is an interesting article. Bill Gates and his man boobs. I mean, literally, Bill Gates is the number one cause of impotence on the planet uh, next to Mitch McConnell. But uh, yeah, apparently, uh, if you want to work for his private foundation, you know, there's good leftists do. Uh, he starts out by, well, basically sexually harassing any woman that wants to work there, asking them, you know, their preferences in pornography and whether they had any nude photographs on their phones, things like that, right? I mean, those are good, wholesome questions if you want to work for the Gates the crew. Sounds like a good guy. Who doesn't love Bill Gates and his uh, COVID jab mosquitoes? All right. Uh, this is funny to me. Discern report. Headline, environmental act extremists feud with gay activists over potential oil and gas funding. This is funny to me, folks. I love when the left decides to eat itself. And that's exactly what's going on. So over in the uh, UK, they've got uh, uh, the, the pride activists and environmentalists fussing with each other because uh, the environmentalists, uh, and I don't know if Greta Thunberg was involved, but I kind of, uh, yeah, I hope so, because she usually makes me laugh, grumpy Greta. But anyways, they, the uh, oil people, the, the climate change lunatics, uh, demanded that the pride people disclose their funding uh, and who's, who's supporting them. And the, the issue here is, is that the environmental loonies are very concerned that some leftists might be okay with some of the big oil companies or people who support big oil 
because they look like they're supporting gay pride. And you got to understand, for the left, you're either all in or you're all out. So the leftists need uh, lockstep unison, no free thought whatsoever. You can't be in agreement with one part and not the other. So the uh, yeah, LGBTQ crowd and uh, the oil crowd, uh, we'll see what happens here, folks. I think it's really, really uh, an interesting thing and something to keep your eye on. And then I can't get past, uh, end this without the Revolver article, headline, quote, The Pink Menace. Uh, apparently there is a new Barbie movie coming out. And folks, if you thought you were going to take your little girl, do not. Uh, apparently uh, Barbie decides to uh, go woke. And at one point there's a dude being a Barbie, I guess. Uh, it sounds like there's some raunchy stuff. Uh, Ken's battling. I, I don't even know what's going on here. Uh I mean, when I when I read this article, trying to wrap my head around what this movie is supposed to be, I just can't do it. Um, you know, there's, there's I got to tell you, I don't know whether to tell you to look at it or don't, because there's a picture of Amy Schumer that makes me want to throw up. Uh, but Amy Schumer always makes me want to throw up. Anyways, stay away from the Barbie movie in case you were thinking of it. Uh, but do go to TomRens.com and support us. Join the Rens Warrior Program. Uh, support us, join our Substack, check out our locals and our uh, our Rumble channels, and uh, yeah, just just get behind us. Help us with the movement. We're creating a movement. We're fighting freedom, 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 freedom. That's what we care about. Uh, I'm a God family country guy. I'm fighting for freedom. I need your help. Please help us to do what we can. We'll see you soon.